unconventional generosity. Led by Melissa Heisey and Mitzi Baker. And I only know bits and pieces of it, but I can tell you it's truly going to be an unconventional as two amazing Markins who go like this every time I say that. (laughs) And a host of testimonies and stories are pulling out all the stops to share what generosity looks like in our presence, our witness, our service, our prayers, and our financial gifts. That's the order for this time in a whole new world. Because we all want to make a difference in this world, even during these days, or maybe even more so. And the way we use our resources determines the kind of impact that we can have. The great paradox in life is this. Those who try to hold on to their lives will lose them, and those who are generously sacrificed their lives will gain them. But how do we do that when things look so different? Let's find out together. Melissa? Good morning. Well, some of you will remember last year when we started our stewardship series, we decided that we wanted to be more than just good stewards of our faith. We want to do more than what was expected or required of us. And we say we actually want to be generous in our presence, witness, prayers, service, and financial giving. So we adopted uh, Generosity Ministries and started the Generosity Series last year. And uh, Pastor brought us a, a wonderful series called The Generous Life. And I think we all enjoyed that and came away with a, a pretty good understanding of what that looks like. And then 2020 happens, and we have to rethink all of that again. We have to rethink the way we worship and grow in our faith, as well as go to work, the way our children go to school. And uh, for me, grocery shopping, I found out quickly that I'm not wired to navigate one-way aisles in a grocery store. Jack had to keep correcting me, but, you know, we figured that out, too. And, you know, it's, it's with that spirit in mind that Missy and I really wanted to highlight some stories and some ways that we as a church this year have been creative and we've gone beyond conventional thinking when it comes to growing in our faith. And um, we hope you will like our take on unconventional generosity. It's been a little messy at times. We've had to make it up as we go <laughs> many times. But it's, it's really been generous nonetheless. We'll uh, start today with presence and witness, and uh, we'll kick presence off with a video. Tasted and seen 
Casey for putting together those wonderful pictures and memories of you know where we've come as a church this year and how we have found ways to be present with each other and um, was said in first service this first time I got to see the entire video at once and I'd actually forgotten that we had praise team remote in the beginning so it was great to have the reminders of all those things we've done this year. As I think about presence, I think about it from two perspectives, one being our individual and personal presence with God and our presence with each other. And I thought I would just share a story of my personal experience this year uh, with respect to presence with God. Uh, Before the pandemic, my life was pretty hectic and scheduled, um, rushing to work in the morning to get there by a certain time, meetings once I got there, and trying to troubleshoot problems for my team in between meetings and keeping up with emails, Um, getting home by a certain time in the evening if I was going to have a chance to have dinner with my family before I was off again to the next um, obligation, sometimes school uh, obligation for Jack or an extracurricular activity, and sometimes it would be a church committee meeting or a Bible study class. But all those things were important to me, and, and I wanted to make sure I had time in my schedule for each of them, um, including time with God. And I did schedule time uh, every day with God in the mornings, um, well, most days. Sometimes it got pushed if my schedule got pushed, and unfortunately sometimes uh, that meant that I wouldn't have that time with God. But I did make an effort, and, and my intent every day was I had 10 minutes blocked out of my morning schedule where you know I would read the Bible, spend some time in devotion, and prayer time. And what I've found is that I would often look at the clock if I felt like I was going over, and, um, you know, I was checking the box. I had that time, I did it, but was I always really present with God? Um, Sometimes I I do feel like I was. Um, I felt centered and I felt there, and there were other times that I, I really didn't feel like I was present. And what happened, though, for me was whenever the pandemic did shut everything down, it it caused me to slow down a little bit. I I didn't have to go from place to place. Everything was remote for the most part. And um, I had a little bit more time to think about those things and a little bit more time to kind of enjoy each of them. And that includes the time that I was spending with God. Uh, In the mornings, I, I still, in the mornings, I'll get up and, go through a few things, but whenever I, I have my time with God, I don't have to look at the clock anymore. I can read my Bible, and um, I told first service, I'm on year four of a one-year Bible, <laughs> so I'm committed. I'm going to finish it. Uh, maybe this is the year I'll, I'll get to finish it, because I have a little bit more time now. And then in my prayer time with God, I can actually spend more meaningful time and not be worried about um, where I need to be next. You know, I still have the same responsibilities I did. My, my work is the same, I, and those expectations haven't changed. But um, I've found that when I spend those few minutes in the morning, and, you know, the first thing I'll do is I will welcome, you know, God's presence into my mind and my thoughts. And then I'll think of all the things I have going on that day, and I'll just visualize giving that all to him first. And once I've done that, I've found that even though my day may still be a little chaotic at times, 
Once I've already given it to him, it's a little bit easier to uh, just live it out as he directs. Um, and I'm actually meant to start this time with a prayer. I'll do that now before I move on. I'm sorry, I, I realized that at the last moment, but um, if you will pray with me for a moment. Father, we do welcome your presence in this space and in our homes. Pray that you will be with those speaking today, Father, that, that they will share what you would have us to hear. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. And it is important for me to always welcome God. I feel like when I do that, then I'm more present for him because he's there for me. We're going to hear from Billy Tungett now. He said he would come and share with us a few words about uh, presence for him. Good morning. So Mitzi Baker had texted me wanting me to speak a little bit about presence uh, because when her and JR were talking, they mentioned the fact that I don't live in Hendersonville. So uh, back in 2010, uh, we started building a house in rural Springfield. So I live just outside of the Cooperstown, Cedar Hill, Cedar Hill area, about 40 minutes from here. Um, so presence to me is important um, for many different reasons. One is my name is Billy, and I'm a workaholic. Uh, I work a lot of hours. Uh, I work just south of Nashville, so I have 45 minutes to work, about an hour home from work every day, and that's kind of my slowdown and me time where I can think about things, talk to God in my head, uh, and then the pandemic hit and we started working remotely, which I hated um, because I am a workaholic. I had no shutdown. Uh, if I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I would get up. I would actually start working at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I may not shut down until 10, 11 o'clock that night. Uh, my wife will also tell you that I don't sleep very much. I might get five hours of sleep a night, which is good for me, um, which is kind of good. I don't require a lot of rest. I have to have something to do all the time. Um, and it's kind of funny. Um, the series that we just did, you know, I'm a Matthew with a side of John. And I have to have something to do. I have to have structure. Everything has to work a certain way. I'm CDO, which is OCD for those of you that don't have it. Um, so Matthew 18.20 speaks to me. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them, uh, which I feel wholeheartedly. Um, I started visiting Good Shepherd regularly in 1995 when they were meeting at Knoxdals Junior High, which is now Merrill Hyde Magnet. Um, some of you may know, most of you probably don't. Growing up, I did not attend church regularly. Uh, my dad worked two jobs pretty much all of my youth, uh, so we didn't really have Sundays free because um, he was normally working. And when me and my brother were old enough, we were working with him doing something or another on the weekends. Uh, so my wife and I started attending here as soon as the building was open. Uh, got married here in 1999 and spent all of our time here. We built our house, started building the house in 2010, 
uh, in Springfield and continued to come here uh, to be here with my parents who lived right across the road over there. And, you know, my dad was always my hero growing up. So when he passed away in 2011, uh, we had just moved into our house in Springfield, and I feel his presence here when I'm at Good Shepherd. So presence for me is being here because I feel close to my Heavenly Father and my earthly father in this building. So when we were remote, you know, it was hard for me when we weren't meeting at all. And then thankfully, you know, uh, Pastor Jeremy and all the team worked diligently to get us where we could be remote. And, you know, it was joyful for us. We would throw it up on the big screen in the living room and, and I would have time to sit and enjoy church rather than being in my office at home working, which I would do if I didn't have to be at church. So uh, being able to do that, and then when the building opened up and we were able to come back here and meet, I mean, we were all for it. Because me, personally, I needed to get back in the building to feel that presence again. You know, to be with church family. You know, it's always said that church is not a building, it's the people. And I need to be around the people of Good Shepherd to be able to soak it in before the chaos of Monday morning hits. You know, I strive in chaos. I, I enjoy it. I have to be the first person at work, the last person to leave. Um, You know, I enjoy dealing with the trouble and the mess and all the problems. Um, I can just work well in that environment. Um, But if I don't have my Sundays at Good Shepherd with the family of Good Shepherd and the presence of the Holy Spirit and my dad, I fall apart during the week. So presence is important to me to get my week rolling on the right note so that I have the presence of God and the presence of my dad here with me every week. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. I also wanted to touch really quickly on our presence with each other. So this has been a challenge this year, right? Because there was a time that we couldn't even be here at all. And uh, for many of us, it's going to be several months before we can be back on site and physically be together. So how can we be present with each other when we can't actually be together? That's the challenge. So I looked at Scripture to see if we could find some examples of... um, churches, groups, bodies of Christ being together whenever they couldn't all be present in the same place. And I was drawn to Paul's letters to the Colossians and to the Philippians. I felt like they're great examples of how you know you can be together without actually having to be in the same place. And uh, if you'll remember, Paul was actually imprisoned when he wrote both of these letters, so he was not with them. But he, t- he speaks about being together and generously exercising and growing in their faith. He talks about unity and presence and spirit. So first in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 7, Paul says, My goal is that their hearts would be encouraged and united together in love so that they might have all the riches of assurance that come with understanding, so that they might have the knowledge of the secret plan of God, namely Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. I'm telling you this so that no one deceives you with convincing arguments. Because even though I am absent physically, I'm with you in spirit. 
I'm happy to see the discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. So live in Christ Jesus the Lord in the same way as you received him. Be rooted and built up in him. Be established in faith and overflow with thanksgiving just as you were taught. And we also see in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Most important, live together in a manner worthy of Christ's gospel. Do this whether I come and see you or I'm absent and hear about you. Do this so that you stand firm, united in one spirit and mind, as you struggle together to remain faithful to the gospel. That way you won't be afraid of anything your enemies do. Your faithfulness and courage are a sign of their coming destruction and your salvation, which is from God. God has generously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but also of suffering for Christ's sake. You know, and from Paul's letters, we hear about presence in spirit during times of physical absence, discipline and stability of faith, unity in spirit and mind, and God's generosity manifested in Christ Jesus. And I just felt like those words were really as applicable this year, especially this year, um, as they were to the early church. One other thing I wanted to quickly point out in his passage to the Philippians, he said, after he was talking about uh, whether I come to see you or I'm absent, he also said, and hear about you. I think it's important for us to share with each other and to share with our pastor and our staff and the volunteers who do bring worship to us each week, whether we're here in service here at the church or we're um, from home. What, however we're receiving worship, um, there are people who are working behind the scenes making sure that happens for us. And just as Paul was excited to hear from his brothers and sisters in Christ about what they were doing, our pastor and our staff are excited to hear from us. So when Pastor Jeremy says, get out your phones, and you saw that in the video, it was one of the pictures. I love that, that picture, and it just makes me think of this and the fact that he wants to hear from us, and um, so do your brothers and sisters in Christ. When they reach out to you, please reach back out to them. So now I think Misty is going to come up and talk to us about witness and introduce that. morning. So I do want to share a little bit about witness today. And when I think about witness, I think about um, the scripture in John chapter 15. And in this section, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is giving them his final instructions before he goes to the cross. And during this time, he's been telling them, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends because you know your master's business. And then he continues in verse 16 when he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And so whenever we witness, I really think that tells us to do two different things. One of those is to go and do and share God with people, share what he's done for us, share our witness, what he's done for me, I share that to other people. And the other, the other thing that I think it's telling us to do is to love on other people. And one of the ways that I love to love on other people is through food. 
I love to bake. I love to cook. And when we've been here at church, I could bring food for fellowship gatherings or meetings. And many of you have probably eaten the breakfast breads that I that I like to make um, or have received some. But whenever we've not been able to gather, I haven't been able to do that as much. And I've really missed it. But then Davis told me that Al and Lola Hunt live on my way from my house here to church and um, and so I have been able to bake some bread for them. I think that's probably zucchini bread there uh, on the screen. I've been able to make some bread for them and get to take it to them and, and get to know them a little bit better where they live. Um, they let us put a picture of their home up here and, and just get to talk to them a little bit more about what's going on in their life. And it's just been wonderful to get to, to know them and love on them a little bit better in that way. So, um so, you know, in the, in the first service and, and here to come, we're going to talk about the saints who have gone before us. And whenever you were in the presence of those saints, I was in Mr. Lester's class. Um, I served with Mr. Jim Sir and um, Mr. Ray on the Room in the Inn team. And whenever you're in the presence of saints and people who love you, you feel that. Don't you? You feel the love that they have for you. And these saints who have gone before us that we're going to celebrate, um, you could feel that with them. And, and I hope, I know it's not a big deal, just some bread, but I hope that the ways that we love on each other, that we feel the love through those simple acts of, of bread to somebody that you care about. And so um, we're going to, uh, hopefully later on today, um, each person will be getting a text link. You know how we do those um commitment cards at the end of Stewardship Sunday where you can mark the things that you, you're going to commit to do. Um, there's going to be an electronic link that will be text to you, so you can go ahead and start thinking about that and be filling that out. Um, and it will talk both about presence and witness. Um, and then we're going to turn it over to Pastor Jeremy to conclude with our celebration of our saints. Oh, no, no, wait. I forgot Constance's video, didn't I? I sure did. Constance had something she wanted to share. Sorry. Good morning. I'm sitting here with Constance, and as a stewardship team, we've been talking about how is it that we have been able to practice our faith despite the pandemic, and I asked Constance that question, and she had something she wanted to share today. So we were talking, and I said, I think that we witness by wearing masks. Masks are not going to keep us safe when wearing them from COVID, but it's going to make sure that the people that we're around aren't getting COVID from us when we're wearing our masks. And so I wear my mask around people because it's my way of showing that I care enough about you that I'm going to wear this mask, which is uncomfortable and not really fun to wear, but I'm doing it to keep you safe. So I feel like that's what Jesus would do. He would wear his mask, and I'm going to wear my mask too. Thank you. Thanks to Melissa and Mitzi for leading us in unconventional generosity, and I'm excited for each week and a lot of food for thought there and just a, a sense of letting the Spirit guide us through all of those pieces as we go through that. And think about the saints today, that's going to be wrapped into communion. So, you know, obviously we're all an hour ahead, so our, our bellies think it's one something, and so you're really hungry, and so I get that. So you'll have a piece of bread and some juice, and that'll hold you over till you get to lunch. Um, but I really think that, and this was, you know, there are two dueling purposes at the same time, and we knew that. 
But I think it's really important that we stop and that we celebrate these ten people who left our lives this year. So those of you watching at home, if you need to go get some lunch or do whatever you're going to do, then I would invite you to, you know, the service is recorded, to come back and watch the rest of it. It'll take about 15, 20 minutes to be able to spend some time. We're going to hear from the words of those who wrote about their, their loved ones from their obituaries. And just take this time to place a white rose, which I'm going to need you to do that. And, um, and then also ring a bell and to be able to do that so that we can remember them. And for those of you in person, when we get to that part, then there'll be um, a chance for you to stand up and honor them, people that you're close to. That's part of our tradition. And at home, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to stand up for those that you were close to and honor them as well. So let us go into this time of breaking bread with God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is a right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their ending hymn. Holy are you and blesses your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection. He gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which He gave Himself up for us, He took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And when the supper was over, He took the cup, he gave thanks to you. He gave it to the disciples and He said, Drink from this, all of you. This is My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. And so remember to these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on those who are at home and on these gifts of bread and wine and whatever else they might be using. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by His blood. Renew our communion with all Your saints, especially those whom we're going to name before You now and in our hearts. And so in this order of service, Erlene Bradley, Lester Burkhart, Dot Faulkner, Ray Hamilton, Ken Henshaw, Jeanette Lee, Jim Cloud, Sarah Smith, Jerry Squires, and Jim Sir will all be recognized from the words that their family shared with us. Erlene Bradley passed away on September 26, 
Erlene lived with her daughter Gail and her husband in Bellingham, Washington until last fall, at which time they moved her to an assisted living community where she could get additional care. She was 97 in June. She had become very confused during the summer and had suffered a fall with injuries to her head. Her body was cremated and we assume that her ashes will be sprinkled around Pugent Sound. Erlene wanted her burial to be like that of her husband Brad, Gail said. Reba, another daughter, is planning a Zoom celebration of life's service set for November, which we have the link to. I think it's November 7th, but I can't remember, but I'll have the link to you to be able to watch it. And this story came to us from Shirley and, and also from Vicky. But Shirley said for many months, Erlene picked Charles up, Vicky's brother, on Wednesday evening for choir practice and some other special evening events. I think that she picked him up some Wednesdays early enough for them to eat in Fellowship Hall. Also, I do know that she continued to pick him up even after she no longer wanted or needed to drive at night. She shared that with me. She knew it meant a lot to Charles to get to choir practice, and Vicki appreciated her doing it. And these words came from Vicki herself. Erlene Bradley was a fine lady. I'll never forget her kindness to my brother and me. She made me, my brother feel important, worthwhile, and useful. She helped equip me to move to the next stage of my life by providing acceptance and encouragement. I will always remember the day she left the choir loft and came and sat on the pew behind me. And before leaving the sanctuary that day, she reached over the pew, gave me a big hug, and simply said, I love you. Erlene Bradley, to the glory of God. Lester C. Burkhart, Jr. Passed away on December 19, 2019. He rejoined his parents, Lester C. Burkhart Sr. and Mildred Burkhart, sisters Edith and Etha in eternity. He's survived by his loving wife, Ethel, and daughter, Laura, and Nathan, his son, brother, Paul, and Janice, and three grandchildren. Lester was a man of God, strong in his faith. He was a longtime member of Good Shepherd going back to our school days. Lester enjoyed spending his time serving any way he could in church activities. He was wise, kind, and adored his family. Lester touched the lives of so many and would truly be missed by all who knew him. Lester Burkhart, Jr., to the glory of God. Dorothy Faulkner. Dot passed away on January 10, 2020. Dorothy loved to garden and cook and to be with her family. She was a founding member of Good Shepherd along with G.C., her husband, going back to our mother church, Shepherd Hills. She retired in 1993 from Oscar Meyer, now Kraft Heinz, in Goodlettsville and previously worked in retail at Chester's Department Store in Madison, as well as sewed clothes for some country music artists and their spouses. Dorothy is reunited with her husband, G.C., who died in 2007, her parents, Joseph and Luella, as well as eight sisters and two brothers. She is survived by her son, Jerry, and her son, Gary, five grandchildren and one great-grandson, and a brother, Louis Tip Augustin, and brother, Ben Augustin. Dorothy was a loving mother, grandmother, sister, aunt, and friend. She will be greatly missed by all those who knew and loved her. Interestingly enough, and Jerry told me this when he sent it to me, and he watched it first service. Interestingly enough, their wedding anniversary would have been this Sunday. They were married on November 1st, 1952. Dot Faulkner, to the glory of God. 
Ray Alvin Hamilton. He was born on July 2, 1947 to Lyra and James Hamilton in Cumberland, Mississippi. He was a longtime resident of Mississippi before moving to the Nashville area. Ray graduated from high school in West Point, Mississippi in 1965. He attended Mississippi State University, of which he was a proud fan, as well as his wife, until he joined Mississippi National Guard in 1966, earning the rank of Staff Sergeant. Ray was employed by Babcock and Wilcox in West Point as a boilermaker for 30 years. At B&W, he was elected Union Steward for Boilermaker Local 903 and served on the Credit Union Board there. He was an enthusiastic MSU Bulldog fan and was best known at the Columbus Farmer's Market for his heirloom tomatoes. In Andersonville, Ray served on the Board of Trustees at Good Shepherd for many a year. He was an active member, giving his time as a volunteer for the food pantry, Feed the Need, and Room in the Inn. Ray was actively involved in his community, too, and neighborhood, serving several years on the Glen Oaks HOA Board. Ray is reunited with his parents and his son, Terrell. He's survived by his wife of now almost 33 years, probably, of Carolyn, sons William, James, Chris, a brother Wade. Ray had three grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. To the glory of God, Ray Hamilton. Kenneth Henshaw, age 86, went on to glory on July 6, 2020. He was born September 3, 1933, in Estelle Fork, Alabama, the son of Orville and Jesse Henshaw, and has rejoined them both now. As well as his sisters, Ruby Green, Ruth Embry, Opal Wallace, Orvaline Hatcher, Bobby Duncan, Nancy Johns, and Peggy Slama. Kenneth served in the United States Air Force from 1957 till 1961. Although he didn't talk about his service often, he was proud of his time spent in the military. Ken met the love of his life, Burl, in Fortuna, North Dakota, while he was stationed there. And together they started a family and were married for 61 years. He was the president of Wynn & Graff Incorporated and worked there for over 25 years. Kenneth loved to travel with his family. Throughout his life, he was able to travel to every state and loved traveling to Hawaii most of all. He was a chief leader and founder of Good Shepherd, going back to our mother church, Shepherd Hills. He assisted in designing this entire church that we stand in now before it was built, including the main Good Shepherd stained glass window, which was dedicated in his and Burl's honor. Ken was passionate about sports. He loved Vanderbilt basketball, NFL, and Alabama football. He was also a very generous and giving man who would assist anyone who needed help, no matter who it was. Ken is survived by his wife of 61 years, Burl, his children, Steve, Jim, and Randy. He's also survived by his brother, Bill Henshaw, five grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren. To the glory of God, Ken Henshaw. Mary Jeanette Lee, age 91, went to be with her Lord on October 5th, 2020. Jeanette entered into this life on May 16, 1929 in Nashville, Tennessee to the late Mary Oveline Dillard Bennett and Gideon Bennett. Jeanette was a loving sister, wife, mother, grandmother, and friend. She never met a stranger and loved helping everyone. She loved to dance, joke around, and spend time with her family. She spent her early years as a homemaker before going to work for her husband until he retired. The survivors include her daughter, Sherry, and son, Mike, her siblings, Sanford, Raymond, and Elaine, three grandchildren, and her five great-grandchildren. In addition to her parents, Jeanette has been reunited with her loving husband, Walter Gloverly, and her brothers, Harold, Bill, Desmond, Mike, Louis, Ralph, Jerry, and sister, Connie Turner.
I know, right? To the glory of God as they're all reunited together genetically. James Jim McLeod, age 82, passed away on Monday, March 23, 2020. Jim was born in Charlotte, Michigan on May 6, 1937, the son of Carlos and Lyra McLeod, who he has now rejoined in eternity. He served in the United, Met- United States Marine Corps and was a member of Good Shepherd United Methodist Church. Mr. McLeod was the first president of the Hendersonville Noon Sertoma Club, and he helped organize the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce. Also served on numerous boards, civic organization clubs, and was very active in Hendersonville and Sumner County. He owned and operated McLeod's Pest Control since 1960 and is still operated by his family, including Darlene, our friend, today. Mr. McLeod enjoyed playing golf, boating, and UT football, but most of all being with his family. In addition to his parents, Mr. McLeod is preceded in death by a brother, Ronnie. Survivors include his wife, Carlene to whom he was married on October 18, 1958. Four daughters, Darlene, Debbie, Vicky, and Dawn. Ten grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren, a brother, Donald, and a sister-in-law, Jean. To the glory of God, Jim McLeod. Sarah Smith, age 96, of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, passed away June 8, 2020. Sarah was a loving and devoted wife, mother, and friend of all those whose lives she touched. Sarah was born November 16, 1923, in Wadowie, Alabama. She moved to Oak Ridge after graduating from high school to live with her sister Sue and work. After World War II was over, she married her hometown sweetheart and returned to Oak Ridge to make a home and have a family. Sarah was raised in the Methodist Church and was active into her health-prohibited participation. She was a member of Trinity United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. And after moving to Hendersonville to live with her daughter, Sheila, she joined Good Shepherd United Methodist Church. Sarah dearly loved her family and friends. Sarah Smith, to the glory of God. Jerry John Squires, because I don't have a home church, so you are my home church. 72 of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, passed away Monday morning, November 25th. 2019 at St. Thomas West Hospital following a lengthy illness surrounded by his family. Jerry was born on Christmas Eve 1946 in Byron, Michigan. He graduated from Byron High School in 1964 and married his childhood sweetheart Sandy on May 6, 1967. They were married for 52 years. He enlisted in the Navy in 1968 while attending the University of Michigan and he graduated with a nursing degree in 1970. He rose to the rank of lieutenant commander and was stationed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Portsmouth, Virginia, as a psychiatric nurse during his 11 years of service. After leaving the Navy in 1979, he spent the next 40 years serving our local veterans at the Alvin C. York VA Hospital in Murfreesboro as an RN. Retiring as nurse on duty supervisor impacted the lives of his co-workers as well. Jerry's heart was about serving others, service before self, both in his professional and personal life. He loved his family more than anything and stood by their side through everything no matter what, as well as always lending a helping hand to friends and strangers. He loved to read and learn, always up to date on the latest of holistic health healing. He was our wise Gandalf the Grey guiding us through our lives. Jerry is survived by his two children, Jeremy and Jennifer, and three grandchildren, including Hannah. He is now reunited in eternal life with his parents, George and Catherine, along with a host of family and friends. Jerry believed that everything is possible with God. 
Jerry Squires to the glory of God. James Jim Leroy, sir, was born April 25, 1940, to Robert and Reva, sir. He was baptized and confirmed at Our Savior's Lutheran Church in Flandreau, South Dakota. If I got it wrong, don't tell me. He attended South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota, where he received a Bachelor's of Science degree in Agricultural Engineering. After college graduation, Jim moved to Montana to work for the Bureau of Land Management, where he met Margaret K. Burroughs. They were married March 21, 1965, in Malta, Montana, and moved to Kewanee, Illinois, also probably not said right, where he worked as an engineer for Kewanee Machinery and Conveyor. Is that right? All right, Kevin says it's right. In March of 1966, their son Kevin was born. In December of 1968, their daughter Jill was born, and the family was complete. In 1972, Jim opened a small real estate company in a rented office that was called Heritage Real Estate. Two years later, as the company continued to grow, he and Margaret relocated the business to a building they purchased in downtown Kewanee. Jim and Margaret worked nonstop, and in 1975, they purchased a farm 10 miles west of town. In 1979, the family bought a farm in Elkton, South Dakota, and relocated to be closer to Jim's parents. During his time as a South Dakota farmer, Jim held many titles, including Chairman of the Board of Directors for South Dakota State University Crop Improvement Association, Agricultural Finance Counselor for the State of South Dakota during the farming crisis of the 1980s, Lifetime Member of Our Savior's Lutheran Church and Member of the Church Building Committee, Expert Witness for Farm Accident Litigation Issues, and President of the Moody County, South Dakota Pork Producers. Jim is survived by his wife, Margaret, his son, Kevin, his daughter-in-law, Kara, his son-in-law, John, his three grandchildren, and numerous family members. Jim had the joy of being escorted to heaven by his daughter, Jill Marie, who passed and proceeded in passing. He's also joined his father, Robert, his mother, Eva, his brother, Jordan, his brother, Ronald, and his nephew, Dallas, in eternity. Some people through life, leaving, some people journey through life leaving footprints of kindness, courage, and compassion of faith. Even when they are gone, the trail they leave behind continues to touch many lives. That speaks for all the saints that we have mentioned here today. Jim, sir, to the glory of God. And now let us remember others in our lives who have gone on to glory and joined the great cloud of witnesses and will place a white rose and ring the bell of eternity for them. And so we invite those. Usually we're in the sanctuary together. We're able to lift those names up. So I invite you to the sanctuary to lift those names up in a second. But also, if you're watching online, on the Facebook, people have been doing it all morning, put the names in those you've lost this year and be able to we'll lift those all together. And I'll put them all together so we can remember them um, as we go forth. And I have a few of those this morning already that... Uh, we can be able to, to bring up. Emily Cunningham, Joy's mother. I have to get to Facebook. Whole new world. Well,
many services going on at the same time. Lori Purcell, her Aunt Alice. She loved God with her whole heart and always had a smile. Lewis Roder, Marilyn McClellan, and Rhoda Ford from Shelley. Michelle Fields for her mother, Phyllis Junker. Phyllis and Phil have attended with us. I want to make sure those weren't forgotten. And we'll place one and then let you have a chance in the congregation to lift up any names of those you've lost this past year so we may place the rose for them. I guess Susan's doing that too. I would just remember all those that in this year, a lot of these folks either died alone or separated from their loved ones. So we need to really pray for these families too that have gone through this. Because I can't imagine something even harder than losing someone and not even being able to be with them during some of those moments. Are you done? Okay. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. One last bell ring, if you would. So I invite you, that those of you who are here at home, to go ahead, so to go ahead and set communion. If you would, please. She's a one-woman show right now. As we set communion here in the sanctuary, and we get it all ready to go for you, then we're because we're ready for communion now. Go get your elements from wherever it is in your house. You're going to be using those things, your bread, whatever juice you're going to be using. Get that ready to go. And as we do that, we'll listen to some music and just uh, soak in God's Spirit as we get ready for communion.
I'm not sure how this is going to work because I don't remember what we decided to do. But whatever we decide to do, it looks like Jennifer is going to help to usher us down here. We're going to go down from the center sections by family units, space between each other, pick up an individual communion, take it back to your seats, hold on to it. We'll take all our masks off at the same time and take it and put our masks back off. So please come down and receive from both sides as Jennifer directs and Susan will replenish as we need to. Turn to your seats. The body of Christ broken and given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you in his love for all of us. To the glory of God. Amen. Hold on to your cups on the way out. There will be a trash can as we exit out the back doors. So let's receive this invitation. Let God speak to us through the presence of the saints who have come before us, the witness of the great cloud of witnesses that is all around us cheering us on. They are here with us always and forever, and they want us to carry on their legacy to the next generation, to mentor them like they mentored us. They are smiling down at us, and they are saying, keep going, keep going, even in times like this. May we have the great courage that they had to live our lives for God. Amen. Would you stand as we close our service today with, the, with one verse of Lord Speak to Me?
Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. As thou hast sought, so let me seek thine erring children lost and long. Hear these words of encouragement. Go on your way. Sing. Surrounded as you are with a great cloud of witnesses, take courage as you face each new challenge and comfort when you pick yourself up from the fall. And whatever good you choose to do, proceed it with hope, accompany it with prayer, and follow it with thanksgiving. The blessing of God most wonderful, whom the saints have trusted as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will be with you and me now and forevermore. And the people both here in the sanctuary and at home said... Amen. And as Pastor Louise would say, that's probably much more a yes. Go out with your yes into the world. Amen. Everybody stay present here in the sanctuary until we get off the air, and then we'll release you as groups. Don't go anywhere.